Welcome to Talking Giants, boys and girls, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Justin, how was your weekend? I, I mean, I know we watched Super Bowl 42 again, and it was like a Giants watch party. But besides that, I mean, how, how was your weekend? How are you feeling, my man? I'm not confident in my ability to be likable. Oh, my gosh. We are going to do a drop every episode, aren't we? It's just going to be all. It's going to be the Justin drop show. Now, that's not necessarily the case of me playing a new drop every episode, but I've been so funny these last couple episodes that I've had like a line. Like this was the episode from like three episodes ago. Bobby, I will fight you after this show. And then this was two episodes ago. He licks them with his tongue. And then last episode, it was this. I'm not confident in my ability to be likable. So I've just had these great one-liners and... Justin, I've that, always joked that I'm the funniest person that I know, but you live that out. You you seriously think you're the funniest person you know. Oh, that's 100% true. Nobody's ever said a more true statement in my entire life. We should have a funny off. We should ask the listener who's funnier. <laughs> no, we should not. <laughs> Did you see someone in the Instagram live with license plate guy was like, hey, call it giant stories. No, somebody said that? Yes. <laughs> I was, it was so funny. Whoever you are, I want to punch you in the mouth. I'm sorry. I just do. That's just how I feel. That's going to be your drop next for the next episode. I already know it. I'm Whoever gonna... you are, I want to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> I'm going to start calling. I'm going to start calling it out. We should have Vegas Vegas bets on what what one liner does Justin say is going to be the next drop for the. I next did episode. find a way to figure out the name of that segment, and it'll be fair. It'll be completely fair. We'll we'll release it when we do it on Friday. Give me a 200 vote cushion. And no, then go from there. It's gonna be so. It's gonna be so fair. You can't deny it. Anyways, um, and it's not even gonna be who's the best name because we can't do that. It's just gonna be. It's really gonna be all about luck. Anyways, Justin, how was your weekend? Um, my weekend was. What did I even? What What even happened? Was this even the weekend? I. Uh, it was fine. You it know, did we're, fly. we're we're still just doing the thing. I celebrated Easter today by having pierogies and kibasi, like like a good Polish person. Yeah, kind of rewatched Super Bowl forty two today. I'll tell you something though. We'll get right into it. We'll get right into our reflections on on how we watched Super Bowl forty two. So I watched it. On, I watched it on TV today, and this was like the first time that I really number one. I really rewatched it intentionally, and number two. Really rewatched it intentionally with the fact that it was in such good quality. So it looked like you were watching a normal football game from, you know, 2019. Just seeing it, or 2020, whatever year we're in. Football may not even happen this year. But just seeing, just, just seeing the quality, not only of the picture, but the quality of play that was happening and just how good that team was. Bobby, it was it was incredible. I was my jaw was almost on the floor because of how good they played as a football team. Because I'm seeing it on TV and it's it's almost like it's live compared to just almost watching it on YouTube or watching reruns on the phone or watching on NFL Game Pass, whatever. Seeing how good of a football team they were and how well they operated as a team compared to the whatever we're watching these last few years, 
holy crap, was it like a flash in the past? And was it a really, really good time to just watch that? Yeah, it, the team was a beast, dude. Oh, just the way they rattled Brady. I mean, that D-line of Tuck, Strahan, and O.C. was just unbelievable. And everyone else stepped their game up. Eli on third down was unreal. I mean, it was it was fun to watch. I, I was almost like, are we actually going to do this? And we did it. It was fun. Um, you know, interact with people, did some live streams and stuff. It, it was it was a lot of fun, Justin. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, Fred Robbins, number one. Fred Robbins gave us a little bit of a, a follow on the Talking Giants account on Instagram. Shout out number two to Dave Tollefson, who was interacting with us throughout the day. He was liking some tweets and stuff like that. And then also number three, shout out to License Plate Guy, who joined you for a live stream on Instagram. And he also kind of, he like kind of retweeted me on Twitter without retweeting me. He kind of copied and pasted a tweet that I had about Brandon Jacobs, and then he just pasted it, and then he just tagged me at the end of it. So I guess, you know, we're, we're all good. We're all good, but shout out to you. Shout out to those three. They were kind of interacting with us throughout the entire day. It was pretty cool. Yeah, he was trying to get the Brandon Jacobs retweet and then have your handle in it. So uh, Brandon Jacobs wasn't retweeting stuff, though, today. Anyways, it is what it is, Brandon. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. But on this episode, we do have to cover the 2016 Dave Gettleman draft class, second to last one we're doing. We're going to preview um, some safeties in a couple corners. But yeah, Justin, should we get into this 2016 draft class, which probably was Dave Gettleman's worst as a Panther uh, GM? Yeah, yeah, not a not a, not a fun one. We had our, we had our fun um, talking about 07. So now let's let's have less fun right now. This was a bad one, and let's start at the top. This was, you know, this was following the Super Bowl, so they had the thirtieth pick. I think this was was did the pan did the Patriots get like a draft pick removed or something because there was only thirty one picks in the first round this year. Anyways, they took defensive tackle, which that just infuriates people in general. Vernon Butler. Might, it might have been a it might have been Deflategate, not to cut you off, but might have been Deflategate. Was it? it I, don't was know, I don't know. Deflategate. I, I, it was Deflategate. It was. It was. It was. Um. So, yeah, Vernon Butler, defensive tackle. This was his worst first-round pick, and it kind of just sours the whole draft, even though the rest of the draft ain't great. The Panthers, this was the first one. They didn't pick up the option on this guy, so he he only played there for four years. In his four years, Justin, he never got more than 40% snaps. He never was really effective. The Bills gave him two years, $15 million this year, which is the Bills have just like signed every player that the Panthers haven't re-signed. This was a, just a flat-out bad pick. It was it was Dave Gettleman's worst draft pick. Now, granted, it's at the end of the first round, but nonetheless, this guy never played more than 40% of the snaps. It doesn't matter where in the first round he was drafted. This was a horrible pick. Yeah, and one of the questions that we've been asking throughout this entire process before we want to nitpick a pick or before we want to uh, criticize the decision that was made by Dave Gettleman we want to understand the context of what was going on with the Panthers and what they actually needed. So I found a Panthers wire blog from 2018 that was reevaluating the 2016 draft. And apparently they're saying that the team had other more pressing needs in the trenches, offensive tackle and defensive end to name a couple. I think this might've been a season where they, where they lost maybe Charles Johnson. I mentioned Charles Johnson as a name. Um, William Hayes, was also a good defensive end that the Panthers had for a little while, so that's possible that they might have lost one of those two names. Jared Allen retired after this year, I believe, too. Yeah, so they had other needs elsewhere, so there we go. There is tangible evidence that the Panthers needed to invest their resources elsewhere, and instead Dave Gettleman invested back into a position that clearly was very, very strong on this team at defensive tackle. So Yeah, from his first... The- the 2013 draft class, he gets Kawan Short and a star, uh, 
Lodulele, who were both really good players and huge for that Super Bowl run. So, like, as much as people get mad at the defensive tackles thing, those guys were important. So, I don't know if he was, like, planning for them to leave in the next year. I don't know. But this is just a bad pick, and it doesn't make sense for a team that was clearly in win-now mode because they went 15-1 and and went to the Super Bowl. I've been naming the five players that have been drafted after their first-round picks. We got Jermaine Effetti, Emmanuel Ogba, Kevin Dodd, and then Jalen Smith is the one that hurts because he's he's an unbelievable linebacker for the Cowboys. Hunter Henry was the fifth guy, uh, obviously the tight end for the Chargers, who's had injury issues, but nonetheless is a good player. And I'd rather have him than Vernon Butler, even though they had Greg Hills. Anyways, I just wanted to name those guys. So really bad pick. Next on this list, though, Justin, is the redeeming quality of this draft. It's our guy with a 62nd overall pick in the second round, James Bradbury. Eight career interceptions. He's started every game that he's been healthy, and he's been healthy for the most of the part for most of his career. In his last two years, uh, allowing 44% of his passes and then 59.8. The Giants just gave him a three-year, $45 million deal. Justin, this might be his best value pick after Trey Turner. This was this is an awesome pick, and it's going to get bad after this. But this was an awesome pick. Apparently, it might have took Bradbury a little bit of time to develop, and what what cornerback doesn't need a little bit of time to develop? I mean, look, just look at what the Giants got right now at cornerback and look at what they've had to deal with these last few years in terms of waiting for good corner, supposedly quote unquote good first round quarterbacks, good early pick cornerbacks to develop. So I would have to agree. This is probably the best pick of this. this well, this is the best pick of this draft for Dave Gunnelman. It's just a matter of Dave Gunnelman probably didn't get to reap the benefits of James Bradbury. Like we're going to reap the benefits of James Bra- Bradbury in blue. He also struggled in his rookie year a little bit, too. Um, he wasn't horrible, but I just remember the Julio Jones game, game where everyone was freaking out because Josh Norman was released, which was a good move on Gettleman. But yeah, this is a, this was a good this was an awesome pick. Like I said, yep. I think it's the second best value pick af- after uh, Trey Turner at the guard. All right, next on this list was the 77th overall pick in the third round, cornerback Daryl Worley. Now he started. He's been a starter the last four years. He hasn't been bad. He's got five career interceptions. His advanced stats are pretty good, Justin. He doesn't give up a ton of yards. That being said, he was traded to the Eagles for Torrey Smith, and then they cut him. And then the Raiders have have signed him. They re- they they signed him, and then he was re-signed to a one year three uh, three million dollar deal for 2019. He's currently a free agent. So Darrell Worley hasn't been horrible, but I I don't I I would say this is a a below average pick. And I might be just the aftertaste of Vernon Butler in my mouth, but I, I just this wasn't a this wasn't a great pick, not a horrible pick, but not a great one. When the Eagles traded for Worley, they later cut him after trading for him because he had an incident with the Philadelphia police. And then lo and behold, where did he go after being cut because of an incident with the police? The Raiders. The, you you either go to the Cowboys after an incident with the police, or you go to. The Raiders, and it doesn't matter what city they're playing for, and it doesn't matter who their head coach is, you go to either one of those two teams. So, fun fact. <laughs> what do you think of Worley as like just a player from stats and stuff? According to this blog, they had their that his coverage skills weren't really up to par, and he's not fast enough to recover once once a guy actually had a step on him. So, if you combine those two things, that's not good. Right. I mean, his production has been decent the past couple of years. He was suspended for four games with the Raiders. Yeah, I, I think when you move on from a guy two years down the road, 
it's not a good pick, especially when you trade for Torrey Smith, who I don't think ever played a game for the Panthers. So I think that has to come into play a little bit too. Is that like who like Kelvin Benjamin? Like they got some good trade assets from him, so it's like okay, at least they salvaged it a little bit. With this, the trade assets never did anything. Torrey Smith, I don't think ever played a snap for the Panthers. So I'm I'm going below average, and then so we'll go quick through these next two. In with the 141st overall pick in the fifth round, cornerback Zach Sanchez. He only played five games um, in 2016. He was cut before this past season. Bad, just a bad pick. I get it's the fifth round, but you should you should get a guy who plays more than five career games, um, and and three and three four years for a team in the fifth round. Um, and it was the third cornerback in a row from this draft too. I had this uh, revelation pre-show and. I remember when Dave Gunnelman was hired and we were approaching his first draft class in 2018, the joke that was going around was exactly this 2016 draft class that he took a cornerback round two, round three, and round five. Three cornerbacks in a row. And that was the huge joke. And I remember that and I smiled. He definitely has not showed a fear of double dipping at positions. <laughs> That's one thing Gunnelman has showed is he's not afraid to double dip. All right, in the seventh round pick, second to last pick, both Sandley and tight end. Yeah, he never played a game, didn't make the team. He was on practice squads for a few years. Second to last pick, seventh round. It is what it is. Um, I don't think it's a good bat. It's just guy never, guy never played. It's like an undrafted free agent, basically. Yeah, especially if you're Panthers and you're picking. Was two fifty two fifty two? Was that Mister Irrelevant? No, it was the pick before Mister Irrelevant. Ah, okay. Which we have Mr. Irrelevant this year, by the way. I can't wait to absolutely overanalyze that guy and get so hyped for him. Oh, I, oh, we will. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we will do that. But, uh, you know, two years from now, we'll probably look back and be like, Big George? How about Big uh, Nothing? Anyways, Big George did flatten Montez Sweat a couple times. If he stayed healthy, you never know what could have happened to that guy. He could still be back. Yeah, that is true. I actually could see him being back in camp if he could get healthy. All right, Justin, time to talk about this draft class as a whole. It's bad. When your first-round pick never plays more than 40% of his snaps, doesn't get the option picked up on him, it's a bad draft. And it's when it's out of position where you already have really good players, it's a bad draft. James Bradbury is awesome. That's a great pick. But besides this, you don't really get – none of these guys are Panthers, basically, is at the end of the day. If you ask me to put a grade on it, I say bad minus. That's that's awesome. Bad minus, man. Wow, wow, wow. That's just that's just fan, fantastic. All right, Justin. Any, any last thoughts on this draft? I'm the best. No, I have no. I have worst. no final thoughts. I, I have no final thoughts on this draft class. Uh, hope Dave Gettleman doesn't repeat the same trajectory of picks in this year's draft class. That's my final thought. There you go. I think Dave Gellman has been a good drafter, especially so for the Giants. But this this, I, this goes down as the worst one because of all the reasons we said. All right, Justin, are you ready to look at some of these safeties in a couple corners? Yes. All right, let's take a quick break and kick it to that. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we're going to talk about four safeties each and then two corners each. We'll start with the safeties, and I'm going to start with a disclaimer. It is so hard to watch corners and safeties from the TV copy because a lot of times you just can't see them if it's like a deep route. 
The only time you see him is when there's made a ball, a play made being made on the ball. A guy gives up a catch. So it's hard to tell. And I'm just horrible at judging this position anyways. Like I'm, I'm bad at like projecting. Like I can talk about James Bradbury at the NFL level, but it's hard for me to project. But nonetheless, Justin, we're going to do our darndest. We're going to try our hardest and do our very best. Yeah. I mean, our very best would be like quitting our jobs and school and stuff and doing that. So maybe don't lie to the listeners. Sorry. Forgiven. All right. Let's start. <laughs> I'll start off. And this guy, now I just said I, I, I can't judge these guys well, but I am going to judge Antoine Winfield Jr. really well. I'm in love with this guy. He was a safety out of Minnesota. Obviously, he's the son of a longtime NFL um, corner Antoine Winfield. He's five foot nine, two hundred three pounds. Oh my gosh, he's so small. I don't care. He ran a four four five forty. Had a thirty six inch vertical jump. In twenty nineteen, he had eighty three tackles, three and a half for a loss, three sacks, and the big number, Justin, seven interceptions. That's like unheard of at the college level. Hell, the NFL level, it's hard to get seven interceptions. He could just flat out ball. He's a baller. A lot of people um, compare him to Honey Badger. I, I guess I can see it, but I see him playing safety, not like nickel corner or linebacker. I see him playing safety. But he can come down and play in the box, Justin. But he can also play free, deep center field. I don't care what anybody says about him. He has the speed to play deep center field, and he would be an awesome fit with your real peppers. He's got unbelievable ball skills, and you see that with the interception numbers. He's got great instincts with those ball skills. So he's not just sitting back there like Antoine Bethea waiting for the guy to catch the ball and then make a break. He's very instinctive. He knows how to turn his zone into man and anticipate passes and read QB's eyes. He's also a good tackler and will bang with the best of them. Justin, I am in love with Antoine Winfield Jr., once we get into draft talk, we'll talk about guys we would like flat out celebrate picking. Antoine Winfield Jr. is definitely on my celebrate picking list. Yeah, passer rating allowed for Antoine Winfield, 45.5, which is kind of bananas. He did play both in the box and free safety. Like you said, Bobby, he had 399 snaps from the free safety spot, 284 from the box. And Bobby, what I think you really have to like about Winfield the most, you, know, you mentioned that he has the speed. He's not going to be a guy that's like going to be this great athlete. You get excited because he's, he's a smart football player. He's an instinctual football player with the interceptions. You, you talked about how he makes plays. So that's what you really need as a free safety. Now, let, let's just let's just get this out of the air really quick as we start this episode. Giants need a free safety. You're not really necessarily in the, in the market looking for a guy that's in the box and that could play strong safety and can cover tight ends. We have Jabril Peppers. We're looking for a smart football player that can play center field, and that is a very, very tough task to do. But Antoine Winfield, you can argue, one of the most pro-ready free safeties, deep center field safeties in this draft class. I think he's my favorite player in the draft. Really? I think so. Just favorite, not wow. best favorite. Just like Rex Grossman was my favorite QB. <laughs> it's, was, I love it's not a glo- it's not a glowing endorsement it was just because he was a florida gator it wasn't because of his ability oh. even though he did have one five touchdown game that was pretty cool and he went to the super bowl a lot of kiwis can't say that that is true that is true didn't trent dilfer also go to a super bowl he won a super bowl he's a champion yeah good for him all right go ahead justin all right, my first guy on my list, my number one guy, Kenny Robinson, 6'2", 198 pounds. He's from the XFL, played with the Battlehawks, and also formerly a player at West Virginia. 
in my plus-plus category, he fits exactly what the Giants need, as I was just saying. A safety with range who can play center field. He was a big hitter, both at West Virginia and in the XFL. He was very, very fun to watch. Robinson takes great angles to the ball in the passing game, something that is so, so tough to be good at. Cough, cough, Antoine Bethea, cough, cough, even bring back our friend Curtis Riley. In my plus category, he picked off both Cardale Jones and Matt McGloin in the XFL, particularly the interception that he had against the Guardians and Matt McGloin was one I don't even blame Matt McGloin for not even seeing Robinson. There was a wide receiver that was running down the seam. Robinson comes in like a bat out of hell, makes a play on the ball, and collects the interception. He glides across the field. He showed the tendency on film to hit guys low, and in today's NFL, this is a good thing because you do not want to get in the habit of hitting guys in the upper body. You want to avoid getting those 15-yard penalties. In my minus category, he has the tendency to leave his zone assignments too early because he is trying to make the big play based off of what he sees. However, I can also spin this into a positive because zone defense isn't just about playing your zone, but the man in your zone. Those words are Carl Banks. Those are not my words. So there is a fine line in this critique that I have of like leaving, having the tendency to leave your zone assignment too early. There's a fine line in that critique. Even though he provides big hits, he also could still develop as a tackler a little bit more. His athleticism is a bit unknown since he did not participate in the combine, and he does, and he overall he does have limited tape facing collegiate talent. His XFL tape is limited too since the season got cut off. Overall, where Robinson is taken may fall on what NFL teams think about his character. He left West Virginia for academic reasons slash academic fraud, which is not a character red flag concern in my book, but. I don't know him personally, and NFL teams, they're going to sort all through that out. I would overall love for a guy like Robinson to develop with the Giants. He flashes and could be a middle-of-the-draft steal. He would also be the second DB from West Virginia who played in the XFL, XFL on the Giants. Uh, Javon Askew-Henry took that route. So just just a little nugget for you. All right, next on my list is California safety. Six foot one, two hundred two pounds, Ashton Davis, and I didn't really know who he was until a couple of days ago. But I'm I'm impressed, Justin. And then I start seeing people have him as top safety and stuff. And while I don't have him as my top safety, I do think he's really good. He uh, he had two interceptions last year with thirty two tackles. He's a track athlete who walked on at California. So do you know what I mean by that? That means he's fast. He's a track athlete, um, and and he's got room to grow because of that. He has amazing speed, like I said, with the track stuff. Amazing speed and explosiveness, which means he's going to get sideline to sideline, and the Giants desperately need that at free safety. He's got good ball hawking skills, decent like decent, um, decent ball skills to go up and get it. Like I said, he's perfect for that deep safety spot. He's eager to get in the pile and come up in the run game. That being said, he'll take bad angles in the run game and get beat. And that you see that with guys who are aggressive. So I can kind of live with that, even though we'd probably get frustrated when it actually happens. But like I said, the speed is what pops out on him and his his ball skills and explosiveness and instincts. And that is what I look for in my free safeties more than anything is speed and instincts. And he's got them. Uh, I'm a big Ashton Davis fan, Justin. Yeah, one of the things that I saw lacking in some of the safeties that I was looking at, and even some of the safeties on my list, some of the things that I saw that was lacking was change of direction. Now, they had the 40 time. They maybe had the 40 time, and the 40 time wasn't concerning you, but there's a big difference between your speed and your straight line speed and then your overall change of direction. Davis does have the speed 
and the change of direction that you want to see. Um, he also can unload on ball carriers and your skill position, guys. That's also something that I kind of look at for safeties too. Can you be a force over the middle of the field, you know, I'm going. I'm going 30 yards down the seam, and there's a ball near. And, and as as I'm as what we're doing right now, I am acting like a, a a quarterback is throwing the ball to me. I have my hands cupped in a way where I'm ready to catch it. You know, if you're going over the middle of the field, I want to have a safety that is feared, and that's going to pop you. Uh, and I want you to hesitate when you catch that football. So Davis can certainly do that. Fun prospect. All right, my next guy is Terrell Burgess. 5'11", 202 pounds from Utah. He's projected to go about in the third round. In my plus-plus category, he forced six incompletions, allowed 190 yards, and allowed 26 catches on 40 attempts for a passer rating of 65.6. And if you're doing the math at home, Burgess allowed less than five yards per target, which for a safety who plays center field, that is absolutely bananas. The longest catch he allowed was 34 yards. Again, Deep free safety here in the Pac-12, which is a pretty offensive-heavy conference. He also has an ability to read how a play develops, and his field awareness is already pro-ready. In my plus category, I saw reports that complemented and affirmed his preparation. Scouting reports usually don't go out of their way to just write that kind of stuff unless they have the evidence from coaches and teammates. He also split time between playing the slot free safety, and box safety. One of the most versatile safeties in the country because he did so much in so many different roles. Burgess is also a good form tackler. His speed numbers at the combine have him in the 90th plus percentile in both the 10-yard split and the 40-yard dash. He's also a special teamer at all levels, punt, kickoff, you name it. We all know how much Joe Judge loves that. In the minus category, only one year of experience as a full-time starter at Utah. Even though he is a good form tackler, he does not take on blocks well in the run game, hence why I see him in as, in as a slot or a free safety role. Don't really see him as a box safety. He won't inspire fear in skill position players running over the middle of the field like a guy like Robinson will, like I talked about previously. Overall, Burgess definitely fits what the Giants need. As a guy who could play both slot corner and free safety, you can make an argument with being closer to 200 pounds and under six foot that he is built more like a cornerback, but he has the instincts to play free safety. And if you can get a player who could do that, you let him fly, you let him fly away. Include the fact that he is already an experienced special teamer. I am sure Joe Judge already has his eye on him. All right, next on my list is Grant Delpit, safety out of LSU, 6'2", 213 pounds. The guy's a champion. He's a national champion, Justin. He didn't participate in the combine. When Delpit's name comes up, though, everyone starts freaking out because of the bad tackling. And granted, it's there. But um, I think he's he's got, like, he's, he's good, like, as a hard hitter. And a lot of it was angle stuff. Like, a lot of his tackling issues were just taking bad angles. Um, and he does need to wrap up better. But he also had an injury. I played through an injury. Um, in 2019, and he was better at it. He's got eight career interceptions, so he's got good ball skills. Um, the thing is, is he just doesn't have that great range to play deep safety. That combined with the tackling issues, I don't know if he's a fit for the Giants, but because of the red flags, he's a guy that might drop. Like he, I mean, he might drop in the third round. You have no idea what the Giants are going to do as far as trading up using. You know, they have four seventh round picks. I, I don't know. Some people have him in the first round, but I. I could see him as the guy that like drops in this draft. I wish I could have seen his combine stuff. Um, and there's some people talk about his character stuff. I don't, I haven't, you know, like I said, we don't really get to talk much on that because we don't know. We're just kind of reading stuff. 
Albeit, I do think Grant Delpit's a good player. I wouldn't be excited for him, but I would be on board with drafting Delpit. And he's just a, he's a champion, Justin. It's just I can throw out those those uh, those cliches. The guys are champion. Yeah, very high missed tackle rate, 25% missed tackle percentage. However, you love the way that he breaks on routes. You, you, you already feel like he's a seasoned NFL vet in that regard. He also has a crazy wingspan for his safety as well. I mean, his size, what? Wow, is this NBA? Yeah, six, well, 6'3", six, six, 203 pounds. 6'3", is the tallest safety that I've You got to start reading the so scouting far. with sizes. You keep on coming up with these sizes that are an inch extra from their rosters. You know what, Bobby? I don't like you at this moment. Uh, wait, what's my job? Bobby, I will fight you after this show. Every talk, time you talk about one of my guys, you add an extra inch because that's what their rosters do. You got to look at the combine sizes. I like to I like to add a little extra inch in there, here and there. That may be an inappropriate drop. All right, can I move on? Go ahead. Okay. Next on my list, Jordan Fuller, 6'2", 203 pounds from Ohio State, the Ohio State, O-H. In my plus-plus category, he transitioned fully to the free safety role in 2019 after playing box safety in 2018. A 44.4 passer rating allowed, two interceptions, and five forced incompletions all in 2019. He was awesome in man coverage, and because of his size, he can really do a good job covering tight ends and controlling them. In my plus category, good size and athleticism doesn't have the same range as Robinson and Burgess, but he is solid in that regard nevertheless. But because of his, and I will say, and I will emphasize his size again, because of his size, he has the ability to impact a receiver's catch point, even those with a large catch radius. He also takes good angles to cut off big plays in the run game. In my minus category, does not necessarily have the traits and tape to support him playing deep safety. He also has tough combine numbers for a guy who's being scouted as a free safety in terms of his 10-yard split and 40-yard dash. He's not the most fluid prospect. The change of direction is not a strength. But overall, he's a local boy from Old Tappan, New Jersey in Bergen County, which is northern New Jersey. So we all love local boys. because, <laughs> But because of his poor combine, there is a chance that Fuller may fall a bit but with his leadership and ability to cover tight ends, he can definitely develop into a quality pro. He may not produce right away, but I would love if we can select Fuller and use him situationally. Yeah, I went and watched Fuller after the combine because I was looking for a deep safety for the Giants. And he's a guy that falls in the category of, like, I like Fuller. I think he's a really good player and he's going to be a good football player for someone. But he just can't play that free safety role. Um, and that's what worries me about Fuller. Like, so now I do agree, like you, you can draft talent depending on where guys land, and I don't know where Fuller is going to land. So he's talent. He's a good football player. And if we look back in four years and we pick a guy like one, one pick before Fuller, people might go like, oh, Jordan Fuller was right there. But we he can't play that free safety role, and that's the thing that kind of worries me about Fuller. I agree. Your evaluation matches mine. All right. Now, the last safety on my list is a guy I really like. I like him a lot, John Gruden style. He's five foot eleven, two hundred six pounds, out of Clemson. Kayvon Wallace, another K apostrophe uh, guy, like K Levon Chasen. He just he just left the layout. He ran a four five three forty. He had eighteen bench reps, a thirty eight inch vertical jump. Twenty nineteen, he has seventy two tackles, three for a loss, two sacks, and two interceptions. He plays really aggressive and with good instincts, and that's. That's what I look for in my safeties. I know I've said it with like three of these guys, but 
he really shows it. And we saw it in the in the national championship, or sorry, in the semifinals against Ohio State, where he had he had a dropped interception. And then there was one play where it's a play action. He shoots in and then gets back out in coverage and stops the pass. I really like those kind of guys. I don't care about like speed as much as I care about that kind of stuff. I'd rather have that than a guy with a four three eight who doesn't have any instincts. Um, and he's like with that, he's not afraid to make a mistake. And that's what I preach. I preach aggressiveness. And if you're going to make a mistake, make it at 110 miles an hour. And that's what Kayvon does. He's a big hitter as a blitzer and, and, and in the run game. So he comes down, he'll bang with dudes. Uh, he's also has, out of all these guys, probably the most experience in man coverage. He would come down and play nickel, and he did a pretty good job of it. I don't think that's going to translate to the NFL, but nonetheless, he does have that experience doing that. Now, when the ball got past the linebackers, he was a bad tackler. Uh, J.K. Dobbins had a big run against him in the semifinals. He took bad angles in that. Um, so that's a worry. But like I said, I can deal with that if a guy can you know, play deep safety. I think he could play deep safety. Now, he's not a, necessarily going to be a sideline to sideline guy, but I do think he has the ability to do it. I don't think he's going to be like Ashton Davis t- type, like sideline to sideline guy, but I do think he can play some deep safety, Justin. Clemson had like in, – now my, my final guy is Clemson. A lot of good Clemson players. Yeah, they're good. Like insane, insane athletes. This Kayvon, you want to hear a fun fact about Kayvon Wallace, our, our good friend? Sure, give me a fact. It better be fun. Played more snaps on the defensive line than at cornerback, outside cornerback. Yeah, I don't think he ever played any outside cornerback. Seven snaps of outside cornerback, 40 snaps lining up on the defensive line. Nuts, absolutely nuts. Uh, but to also affirm Bobby's valuation, did spend a little bit of time with free safety at 63 snaps, but definitely logged uh, most of his snaps at slot corner, 396. Honestly, is this this dude, he's two inches taller than Grant Haley. He's much bigger, but he seems to be just Grant Haley with better ball skills. Yeah, but he can't play corner or nickel like Grant Haley. So they're, I guess they are similar. Well, sl- no, sl- no, slot, yeah, slot corner is, that's exactly what nickel is. So yes, he, he like I said, he logged 396. No, he, he can play corner. it in college. He's not going to play it in the NFL, though. I'm telling you, Kayvon Walsh translate? Will not play. It will not translate to the NFL. All right. I'll take your word for it. He's, he's a safety. All right. Just like Isaiah Simmons is a linebacker. All right, my final guy with who the hell knows what position he's going to be playing, Tanner Muse. A strong safety slash linebacker from Clemson, 6'2", 227 pounds. In my plus-plus category, holy smokes, Bobby Skinner. Muse ran a 4.41 at the combine. <laughs> this straight-line speed can really be seen where he chased down J.K. Dobbins in the college football playoff. I believe it was like the semifinal. Muse is gigantic for a safety. He spent most of his time in the box, and he brings the heat in the run game. I wouldn't want a guy Muse's size getting some momentum and wrapping me up in the run game. He absolutely destroyed ball carriers. He also has great technique as a tackler, which if you know me, if you've been listening to this podcast ever since I come on, I get excited by a guy like Michael Thomas. And even this is why I hang on to hope for David Mayo, just solely because he's a very good, he has good form tackling. I really get excited with guys that have, that are very good form tacklers. In my plus category, he has he had a nose for the football with his time in Clemson. He had 14 career pass breakups and seven interceptions. 
Game even translated to him rushing the passer as well, which is insane. Clemson really likes to do some fun things with their safeties, which we just learned with Kayvon Wallace as well. In my minus category, his change of direction, it's not good. He skipped out on those drills in the combine, and that may have been a good decision on his end because they would have been poor numbers. His game most likely translates to a linebacker or even solely as a box safety. He plays way too upright, and, and his lateral movement is just not what you want out of a safety. He's not fluid. He's not comfortable in coverage. He probably will struggle in coverage if you move him to linebacker. But overall, fun prospect to watch, even with his limitations. It's so fun to think about his role on the team because he is a guy who is not projected to be picked late in the draft anyway. You know, if this is a guy that we're talking about that could go early, early in the draft, you get frustrated by limitations. But for a guy that's, you know, translated to go later, you know, let's have fun and let's talk about what he can do. Regardless of his limitations, Muse will be able to contribute right away as a special teamer because of his straight-line speed and tackling ability. I would love for the Giants to take a chance on him, develop him as a linebacker, try to garner those ball-hawking skills and coverage skills he did learn as a safety, and see if we can turn him into a quality pro player. Yeah, um, I think he's a no- he falls into the same category with, uh, with me as Jordan Fuller. He's a really good player. He's fun to watch. I just don't know how he'd fit with the Giants. Now I get... Don't pit circ, uh, you know, round pegs in square square holes. So he's another player like Fuller. I would be cool with getting, and I think Muse is projected to go a little later, maybe. Yeah, definitely. So I like Muse. So if we get him in the fifth round, sixth round, yeah, I'm cool with it. I think he's a good player, but like expecting him to come in and play right away, no. Now I think he'd be a really good backup for Peppers, um, which we do need. Um, ironically, I mean, because we actually only have two safeties right now, right? Love and Peppers. Bethea they have is no gone. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is gone. I don't think we got anybody. Obviously, is Sean like, is Sean Chandler still a yeah, still player I, on the football team? I don't count Sean Chandler, even if he's on the team. I don't. I, I'm I'm talking I'm talking guys who have actually played, even though Sean Chandler has actually played a little bit. Anyways, we need yeah. a backup strong safety. Is is the point of it? So Tanner Muth late rounds, I'd be cool with it. And it's fun. He, he just like you said, he's a fun guy to watch. All right, let's talk about yeah. some corners, Justin. My first one, and both my guys are five foot eight. By the way, he's five foot eight, one hundred eighty-seven pounds, out of Louisiana Tech. Fun fact: uh, I was a running back for Louisiana Tech um, in like NCAA football 04, 04, the first year where they let you do like the road to the Heisman. I got a scholarship at Louisiana Tech, won a won a couple Heisman's, no big deal. Amik Robertson, uh, he didn't participate in the combine due to a groin injury, which stinks. But my man had 14 career interceptions, five, four, and five. And it wasn't just luck. He knows how to bait a QB. So he'll be in that like uh, that, that soft zone and then come up and get it. He'll go into other guys' zones. Guys' zones. That's that's a that's that's tough right there. He'll get in another guy's zone and go make a play. So what does that mean? My man has instincts. Um with that size though, he'll probably play in the nickel. But guess what, Justin? We need ourselves a freaking nickel. Uh, he's got a good route co- uh, combination recognition. That was something that stood out when I was watching James Bradbury. He loves to get down and dirty and press a guy and fight with them, even though he's way smaller than everybody. And he would do that, and he did it very well. The worry, though, Justin, is that that won't translate to bigger NFL guys who run crisper routes and have better get-off. But nonetheless, he, like I said, he's not afraid of anybody, and I like that. And we need a nickel. So Amik Robertson could be uh, a pick for the Giants. Yeah, I I don't really understand the the critique of these corners. I get they're I get 
five nine isn't a great isn't a great look. I get it. But a lot of these guys are five nine. Five eight. You add another inch again. <laughs> a lot of these guys are short and they're small. Wide receivers, they're not six three, six four, six five beasts anymore. You, like gone are the and I've and I've said this on the podcast before. I'll say it again. Gone are the days where you feel like you need a Plaxico Burris on your team. What Julio Jones is Julio Jones is an exception, and, and also gone are the days where you feel like you need a Calvin Johnson on your team as well. Those receivers are. Oh, now we don't. Like you don't want Calvin Johnson. No, but where you feel like you need a big body physical wide receiver. And like I've said before, we viewed Cody Latimer, a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", as like that was our physical wide receiver. And 6'3", is not huge. So gone are those days where... Probably didn't say he was 6'5". Yeah, I know, because that's why I said 6'2", 6'3", to give myself the room there. Yeah, but Robertson, if if you're a guy that's physical and you're a guy that shows me effort and you're not afraid of contact with that lack of size, that's not something that concerns me. So I would be all for it. Yeah, I like a meek. All right, Bobby, we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to preview Jeffrey Okuda. Ohio State, 6'1", 205 pounds. I'm excited. Here we go. Plus, plus category. Over the last two seasons, he has only allowed 45 catches on 109 targets. In 2019, he allowed a 45.3 passer rating. He also has incredible feet and footwork. Fluid hips, and you saw that specifically at the Combine with the help of the video that I made go viral. Now, Bobby, I want to talk about this for a second. Do you, the video do you that Jordan that? Reed Im- embedded your video instead of quote tweeting well, or retweeting? Well, he, well, here's the thing. Jordan Reed doing that. Um, while, while that was the main difference in the video getting over a million views, but there's, there's, I'm, it honestly does confuse me though, because Jordan Reed's embedded version of my video got over a million views, but the video that I have access to, like the actual post, it says that my video got 700,000 views. So I'm confused on how that works. Um, So this is Justin's way of bragging without bragging. Like, I just don't, I don't understand what happened. Like, is it 700,000? Or is it a million? Can someone explain this to me? While you're just bragging about all your views. Hey, I don't I don't go viral often, but when I do, I'm gonna sell. Well, you didn't so, go viral, Jordan Reed went viral. I I mean, that's debatable though, because my name was right underneath that video. You you knew you knew it was Justin Paddock who made who made that tweet and I gained maybe like three followers from it. So um, By the way, I sent you something <laughs> in the mail and I may have manipulated your last name a little bit. Anyways, go ahead. You sent me, oh, I, I hope it's not something that's poison. I hope you didn't send me poison through the mail. No. Where am I? Oh, yeah. I'm talking about how I made a video that went viral. New Jersey. Jeff Okuda also packs a punch in press at the line of scrimmage. It's fun to see how he delays the start of routes for wide receivers. Height, weight, length, speed, and quickness. It's what, it's what you want out of a cornerback. Maybe the straight line speed isn't elite, but his closing speed and ball tracking abilities inevitably inevitably makes up for that. He is an excellent tackler as well. Does not fear taking on running backs in the run game. In my plus category, longest completion allowed in 2019 was 28 yards. He does not get beat deep. He does a solid job defending even when his back is turned to the quarterback. And Bobby, how often do you see pass interference calls where a guy may have good coverage, but he just doesn't turn his head to defend the ball? Okuda is able to manage having his back turned to the quarterback, but still not get called for pass interference and puts himself in a position to make a play on the ball or at least attempt to make a play on the ball. 
He also has the skills to play the slot. He did have limited experience at the slot, but he has the skills to do so. Even if he allows a catchable ball, he tries to put himself in a position to make a play on the ball and force an incompletion. In my minus category, playing off coverage is not considered a strength yet, but that will come with experience in a given system. He can be too physical downfield sometimes, but again, you know, who's really going to complain about that? You can work on that. I'd rather have a guy who's a little over-physical compared to a guy who's, you know, very laissez-faire in that regard and hands-off. Overall, I'm not going to nitpick Okuda and act like I know what I'm talking about while nitpicking Okuda. If I were to complete a big board of all players, Okuda is number three behind Chase Young and Joe Burrow. If the Giants are going to surprise us with any given player, I hope that surprise is Jeff Okuda. I would not be mad or upset, and I would quickly turn those shocked feelings into excitement over the potential of this secondary. Right. Let's talk about that because, you know, the talk has been Isaiah Simmons' offensive tackle. Okuda, I would kind of be excited for. The problem is, though, Justin, is that we have James Bradbury, who plays outside, and we have DeAndre Baker, who was a first-round pick last year, and we saw potential in that. We saw some negatives, but we saw potential in and he's a first-round pick. We can't give up on a first-round pick. Well, I, I think I would be excited for Okuda. I would be very, like, head-scratcher. It would be a head-scratcher for me, too. I would be excited. I really would because he's an awesome player, and – it would make it would make us have like the best corner. We could turn into like the best cornerback, uh, like team in the league in a year or two. Once you know him and Baker develop a little bit, I don't know yeah. if Baker can play inside. I don't know it, but I would be I would be excited about it. Although I just I just feel like the offensive tackles are there. Simmons, um, he's an amazing player. I don't know. Obviously, I'm in kind of the trade back offensive tackle train, but I would be excited about Akuda. There was a good two-week stretch before, before obviously before we signed Bradbury, but earlier in the offseason, and I, I might have even hinted at it during the podcast a little bit, where I'm like, I'm kind of on the Okuda train because I knew that Young wasn't going to be available, and I was just thinking about how valuable secondary play is in, in, in today's NFL. I know a lot of people want to talk about, well, you need the pass rush, you need the pass rush, you need the pass rush. Well, guess what? A Elite secondary can make a poor to average pass rush look a lot better. In the league where quarterbacks, and we talked about this on the podcast episode where Anthony Tamano, we were talking about, you know, analytics and more advanced analytics. And we were talking about how quarterbacks are releasing the ball within a span of 2.5 seconds. And on average, on average, they're releasing the ball in 2.5 seconds. What can you expect a pass rush to do when quarterbacks are immediately getting rid of the ball and the intermediate game is being emphasized so much? It's your secondary that is really going to make the money in having the quarterback hold the ball for longer periods of time so, therefore, your pass rush can actually do something do something, and they can produce. So I was on the Jeff Okuda train for a, for a couple weeks there for a little while. If you're talking about best player available, right? A lot of people like to talk, a lot of people like to ignore positional value when it comes to uh, particularly first round picks even though I think that's lud- that's that's ludicrous if we're talking about best player available and Chase Young is gone at 4 Jeff Okuda is a better football player also playing a more important position than Isaiah Simmons and that's my opinion Better than Simmons is a bold take I'm not I'm not joining you in on that one I'll be I'll be I'll be real real with you I'm not joining you with that I do think Isaiah Simmons is a better football player I think he would dominate his position better than Okuda would. Um, but nonetheless, I, that's not taking anything away from Okuda. He is a beast. All right. Now, last on my cornerback list, 
Justin, his projection, I think, is going to be seventh round, maybe even undrafted. But when we do our mock drafts, I'm going to go get ahead and give a spoiler. If this guy's available in round seven, I'm taking him. Another five foot eight corner, 180 pounds. Justin will say he's 5'11. Out of the University of Miami, <laughs> Trajan Bandy. I had to get a Miami guy on here. It's all about the U. He ran a 4'5, 4'540 at the combine, had 10 bench press reps. He only has four career interceptions, but I really like his game. He plays with unbelievable intensity and willing to just get dirty and make huge hits. I mean, it pops out how often this guy wants to get in the backfield and make plays. I mean, just look at the the Florida Gator game and, and then some other stuff. He's got good mirroring skills and man coverage, which means like double moves aren't going to, they're not going to like just completely lose him. He's very good at that. He's very good at like watching a, a wide receiver's eyes. And they say it doesn't like peak in the backfield too much in man coverage. He And he was used mostly in man. Um, when he is in that off coverage, he's good at baiting and then collapsing really quickly. So while the interception numbers aren't there, the pass breakups are are good. Um, his ball skills are decent, nothing to like freak out about. Although I am going to post a clip where he just makes this unbelievable interception against Virginia. The scouts say undisciplined. Like I said, I'm not an expert in the cornerback area, so I'm not going to speak on that. But undisciplined like football play can become disciplined. So he's a guy, if he's there in the seventh round, I'll probably have like four or five of these guys or I'm just going to put out a list when the seventh round comes around and Trajan Bandy will be on that list. If he's even there, maybe people see maybe people see what I see and they're going to drop him the fifth or something. I don't know. I'm just I'm putting too much trust in these these so-called experts. You love your Miami guys, don't you? All about the U. All about the U. All right, my final guy. Get ready for this name because it's probably going to be wrong and I hope you roast me for getting it wrong. Isang Bassi. That's what we're going with. He's That's 6 foot 8. With. Yeah, he's six foot eight, uh, two hundred fifty pounds. No, he's the very much opposite of six foot eight. Uh, Isang Bassi, five nine, one hundred ninety one pounds from Wake Forest. His round projection is around six, so this is a guy that's really, really going to be towards the bottom of the draft. My plus plus category: he was a three year starter at Wake Forest. His ability in zone coverage is a huge strength. His instincts, his awareness and discipline—it's very, very impressive. His agility also pops out on film. His future is in the slot because of his size, which for the Giants, this is exactly what we are looking for. In my plus category, despite his size, he competes for the ball downfield and has great effort when trying to play downfield. He's willing to sacrifice his body to make plays on the football. He has fluid hips and is able to flip his hips well. Goes from shuffling to breaking in multiple directions with ease. My minus category is his size, he will be beat for TDs because of his lack of height, and he has been beat in college. He allowed nine TDs over the last two years. He's no Grant Haley as a tackler, and he's no Grant Haley in the run game. He will not provide a ton in that regard. He has a high missed tackle rate, uh, lack of experience in press coverage as well, way more experience in zone coverage. Double moves cause him to lose balance. Outside of his size, this is the weakest part of his game, those damn double moves overall. His lack of size will inevitably have him as a slot corner in the NFL. I like Bassey because of his ability as an off-ball cornerback. We hear too much of how guys are good in press, but just knowing where defenses are in today's NFL, you are not going to be lining up in press coverage every single play. If Bassey has the instincts and the ball skills to play in the slot, then sign me up. Joe Judge and the staff can work with him on his tackling and aggressiveness, but awareness at this level is tough to develop, and he seems to have it. All right, Justin. That concludes the 2020 Defensive Backs preview. 
Maybe we'll get some of these guys, maybe not, but it was fun looking at them. Definitely some interesting guys. Justin, we will be back on Wednesday. Whoa. Yep. We'll be reviewing, re-previewing centers, and we'll put a couple guards in there. Why not? Kind of like we did corners today. And it'll be the last Dave Gettleman Panthers draft class um, that we'll be reviewing, which includes Christian McCaffrey. So I'm already like mentally preparing to destroy you, Justin. I'm going to freaking annihilate you. And the cult, my cult is going to go off on you, Justin. So are you, are you, so I'm just letting you know, get ready for that. I'm mentally prepared. Yeah. We'll, we'll see when that day arrives. All right. We appreciate you guys. If you can leave a rating and review, help us get to 200 by draft day. I'm going to keep on saying that. I'm going to say it every episode. We don't ask for reviews every episode, but I'm going to do it for this month. Get us to 200 by the end of this month. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Wednesday. Until then, let's go big blue. John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcast. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening.